MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. Today, former Secretary of State General Colin Powell has died. A Capitol rioter who decided to represent himself admitted to two additional felonies in court. SCOTUS upholds qualified immunity for police officers. The Department of Justice files for an injunction and a writ of certiorari with SCOTUS over the Texas abortion ban. Jury selection is underway in the case of the murder of Ahmad Arbery. And Donald has filed his lawsuit to block the January 6th committee from getting the National Archive documents like a totally innocent person would. <laughs> I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Totally innocent, I normal behavior. I do it behavior. all the time. You have no Every idea day. how many lawsuits I filed to get documents blocked. Every day, Dana. Yes. I, every day I do it. Um, we're not going to do a deep dive into this story about this uh, insurrectionist who uh, <laughs> decided to represent himself in court and admitted to two additional felonies. I mean, hilarious. There's really not much more beyond that headline. It just sort of says it all. Can so. you imagine? Did my client break a federal law and invade the U.S. Capitol? Yes, he did. But that's not the point here. Yes, he did. He also did these two other things. So, <laughs> <laughs> But that is not why I'm here today. I'm here to get out of jail. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's boy. Funny. Hilarious. <laughs> so also today that we aren't probably going to talk much about because we don't know too much about it is Donald actually testified for over four hours in that case that you had reported on a few days back per lawyers. I just watched one of them on out front with Aaron Burnett. It went just about how you'd expect a Trump deposition to go. <laughs> there was definitely a bus involved and I'm assuming someone got thrown under it. <laughs> yeah. That and it has to do with whether or not he was responsible for his bodyguard's behavior out front when he ripped that sign away from a protester and then hit him in the head when he tried to get it back. Yes. Of course, you know, I know every time Donald is asked, you know, if he takes responsibility, he's always very quick to accept responsibility for for stuff. So I'm sure that that's how that went today. Absolutely. If there's anything I can say about him, it's definitely it's definitely not that. <laughs> I can't even finish the sentence. Uh, I don't take responsibility. Mm -mm -mm. So I'm sure we'll hear more about it as elements of the case uh, come out. But, you know, this is a, a lawsuit filed by protesters, a group of protesters against the Kurt Schiller. Is that his name? Schilling? Schiller? Some, some bodyguard guy, not a baseball player. I confuse the two all the time. Schiller. Yeah, Schiller. that's it. Body man who, who was continued to be paid like tens of thousands of dollars every month after you know, everything, all the, the shit hit the fan probably for his silence. But we'll see. We'll see what happens in that case. We'll follow it. And that was the day that he, came, you know, was called uh, Mexicans rapists and, uh, you know, just the right on the heels of his uh, announcement that he was going to run for president. Also today, this is so cool. Uh, a Andrew McCabe is going to join me. We're going to talk about uh, of course he is. his brand new cufflinks. <laughs> he'll be kidding. <laughs> and uh, his settlement, he won his settlement, the lawsuit he filed a couple years ago about his you know, with regards to his wrongful termination. So 
It's very. Uh, I'm going to ask him too if Merrick Garland had anything to do with the decision. You'll you'll want to stick around for that answer, everybody. So, with all of that out of the way, why don't we hit the news? Why don't we do that? Let's do it. Let's uh, hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, top story today. Donnie has filed a lawsuit to block the National Archives from sending documents requested by the January 6th Committee on the Insurrection. Donald is suing the January 6th Committee and the National Archives Records Administration to block documents that could show what he was up to in the days leading up to and during the attack on the Capitol. His lawsuit is centered around three different claims. Dana, first, that the committee has not demonstrated a specific legislative purpose for getting the information. If you'll remember, this is the same shit he sued over when the House Ways and Means Committee was trying to get his taxes, right? Correct. You you don't have a legislative purpose. And the House Ways and Means Committee doesn't need one. You could say, because I don't like your fucking face, and they still have to hand over (laughs) your tax documents. (laughs) And that, you know, that's true. That happened way back in the 60s. They don't need a legislative purpose. Some committees do, however, need a legislative purpose to get to to do some things. We don't know. I don't know if a legislative purpose is required to subpoena these documents for the select committee. But in any case, it doesn't matter because they do have a legislative purpose, much like the 9-11 Commission had a legislative purpose. We, we, we created a lot of laws after 9-11, after the commission's report came out on 9-11. We created the Office of the DNI, for example, Director of National Intelligence. So that laws could very well and hopefully will come out of the select committee on the insurrection. So they do have a legislative purpose, although it's probably could just be as simple as we don't like your fucking face. And I agree. I don't like his fucking face either, but whatever. <laughs> Number two, he's suing on behalf of the Presidential Records Act, saying this violates separation of powers between the executive and legislative branches. This is kind of his way of uh, invoking executive privilege. But he's doing it by saying he's making it a separation of powers case. And he's saying it. this pertains to a, a citizen. Uh, OK, he's not in any of the three branches <laughs> right now. So whatever. But that is an open legal question, right? That's something that will have to be decided by the courts. And finally, the Trump lawyers are saying they don't have enough time to go through all the records and process all the shit. So therefore, you know, this whole thing has to be delayed. As well, we know he is not the president, can't invoke executive privilege, and Biden has waived the privilege requested by Donald. But privilege doesn't seem to be one of the central arguments to Donald's claims in this matter. The select committee has not responded to the lawsuit, though this lawsuit does not come as a surprise, right? He loves lawsuits. He does. This is what he does. Even if the committee ends up being successful in this litigation, it will delay the process. It will. It's important we keep in mind this is over a very small number of documents, so the entirety of documentation surrounding the insurrection, many of which the committee already has. Which is wonderful. So I hope he continues to, to make a fuss about all this as innocent men do. Uh, and I just like that it's it's inching closer and closer toward him. Mm. Obviously, he's scared. So this is an interesting story. And uh, we're heading down to Georgia. A jury selection began in the trial of three men accused of murdering Ahmad Arbery. And he was the black man when he was jogging. Initially, no one was arrested for his murder. I think we all remember this. It took a very long time. We know in early September that a former Georgia DA, Jacqueline Johnson, was indicted by a grand jury on charges of violation of oath of a public officer and obstruction of a police officer. So that happened in this case. Now, Arbery was shot and killed on February 23rd. 
after Gregory McMichael, he's 64, and Travis McMichael, his son, 34, followed him in their pickup truck. Aubrey's family said he was out jogging, while the McMichaels, who are white, said they thought he was a burglar. Again, he was out jogging. On a jogging trail. Yes. Burgling trees. As one does. And now, father and son, Gregory and Travis McMichael, and William Bryan, they are all on trial for murder. The jury selection process is expected to take two to three weeks. There were about 1,000 jury notices sent out, and about 600 showed up today. Wanda Cooper-Jones, Aubrey's mother, spoke about the jury in the video. And she said that without the video, they probably would not have made arrests. And she also said she's concerned about the jury being picked from that community. But she's hopeful that they will get the right people in the right positions to make the right decisions. And it just goes back to this whole thing about, you know, these, these bystanders, these people that are watching, they filmed it. Same thing with George Floyd. If that video yeah. had not surfaced, who knows what would have happened? The police report was forged, all of the shit. And it really is sometimes just the bravery of a person passing by that says, I'm not going to let this go unnoticed. And they get it on film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, underscores what's been going on in this country. We just haven't had cell phones to record. Yeah, exactly. And we have a couple pieces of news coming out uh, with regards to the Supreme Court. First, U.S. Supreme Court on Monday issued two rulings for separate cases in Oklahoma and California upholding a legal doctrine known as qualified immunity, which has been used to shield officers from lawsuits alleging excessive force. Revising or eliminating qualified immunity has been a focus of police reform efforts and would force officers accused of excessive force to personally face civil penalties. The doctrine of qualified immunity shields officers from civil liability so long as their conduct, quote, does not violate clearly established statutory or constitutional rights of which a reasonable person would have known. It doesn't say anywhere that you have to have it on video. Uh, (laughs) That's what the justices wrote in the Oklahoma ruling. In both cases, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the accused police officers and defended their right to qualified immunity. In one ruling, the court overturned a lower court's decision to allow a trial to proceed against Officer Josh Gerdner and Brandon Vick over the 2016 fatal shooting of a man brandishing a hammer in Tulequa, Oklahoma. That's per Reuters. In the other, the court overturned a lower court's denial of a request for qualified immunity for police officer Daniel Rivas Viegas. He was accused in a lawsuit of using excessive force when handcuffing a suspect in Union City, California in 2016. Both rulings were decided without oral arguments and with no public dissent among the justices. And the Justice Department formally asked the Supreme Court Monday to step in and block a controversial Texas law. That's the abortion ban. The law is clearly unconstitutional and allowing it to remain in effect would, quote, perpetuate the ongoing irreparable injury to thousands of Texas women who are being denied their constitutional rights. That's the Justice Department writing. The emergency application places the justices back in the center of the firestorm created by the law that bars abortions for most women before they even know they're pregnant, you know? The court asks for a response from Texas by noon on Tuesday. In addition to asking the justices to halt the new law, the government, the DOJ, Merrick Garland, also wants the court to agree to hear oral arguments this term and decide for itself whether the law passes constitutional muster. If the justices were to agree to that request, it would raise the stakes in the dispute and bring a final resolution to the case by the end of June. It would also allow the justices to consider the issue with full briefing and oral arguments instead of having to weigh in on an emergency basis or using the shadow docket, right? Because we know in September, the first time SCOTUS allowed the law to go into effect as part of another challenge, it did so 
on the shadow docket, drawing criticism from those who felt like the justices acted hastily without the benefit of full briefing or oral arguments on the matter. Okay, the last story I have for you before we go to this incredible interview is a little bit somber, as we know. Colin Powell, whose immune system was weakened by treatment for multiple myeloma. He died of complications of COVID-19. That was despite being vaccinated. This is from a statement from his family. Peggy Safrino, Mr. Powell's longtime aide, said that he had been successfully treated for multiple myeloma, a cancer of white blood cells in the bone marrow. Now, people with multiple myeloma have compromised immune systems and are thus at greater risk of developing severe COVID-19. Vaccines are also likely to be less effective in these specific patients. The family statement did not provide further details about the complications or underlying health conditions Mr. Powell had. It said he was treated at Walter Reed National Medical Center, Ms. Safrino, and uh, said Mr. Powell, who was 84, had gotten his second dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine in February and had been scheduled to get a third shot last week when he got sick. So he wasn't able to do that. He had been treated for early stages of Parkinson's disease as well, she said. She said, we encourage everyone to get vaccinated. This, again, is Ms. Safrino. In a study published in July, researchers found that just 45% of those with active multiple myeloma, this is a quote, developed an adequate response after receiving Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. Now, although the shots are critical in reducing severe disease and death from the coronavirus, such outcomes are not unexpected. There is no vaccine, as we know, that is 100% effective, and that's what the experts are saying. Severe COVID is rare. It's very rare in people who have been fully vaccinated. So in June, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention said that it had received reports of 10,262 breakthrough infections. That was by April 30th. That's a tiny fraction of the 101 million Americans who had been vaccinated by that date. Now, the agency did note that the number most likely represented a substantial undercount of breakthrough infections. So of those breakthrough cases, 2% died. And in some of those cases, patients were hospitalized or died from something unrelated to COVID-19. The median age of those who died was 82. Multiple myeloma wasn't Mr. Powell's first battle with cancer. In 2003, when he was Secretary of State, he underwent surgery for prostate cancer as well. So this is just a reminder to everyone listening. The media is trying to spin this. Fox News is trying to spin this. Everyone conservative is trying to spin this. He had underlying conditions that even with the vaccine, he was at risk. That's why it is so important that we protect the most vulnerable in our society by wearing masks, getting our vaccines. It is on us to help those that are in danger. I know it's hard for the right to grasp, but it's such an important point. Yeah, it it was the unvaccinated that leads to this kind of unfortunate death. Yeah. We could go, we could spend hours discussing and debating his policies and his tenure. Sure. And his life of public service. But I am not going to, I, I don't want to debate his... Humanity. It's just not necessary right now. His policies He's, at yeah, this his, time. Yeah. He, a man died, his family is grieving. And he was a national figure in this country. So that's what we're focusing on for the story. Thank you. Thanks for that. And again, hearts, thoughts, uh, prayers, if you do that, out to the the family, the Powell family and uh, their friends as well. Coming up next, I will be talking. I've been waiting for this all weekend with my friend Andy. Uh, McBabe, you know him as McBabe. He will be here uh, to (laughs) to discuss his settlement, his victory, 
and uh, talk a little bit about the lawsuit that he filed, uh, what happened uh, with regards to, you know, it, a judge deciding it could go to discovery and then the DOJ settling. Who at the DOJ probably put eyes on this settlement and agreed to it or didn't block it, uh, et cetera. And then we're also going to talk about January 6th and where he thinks the Department of Justice is today and the FBI is today and how he feels about it. So it's a really good interview. I hope you guys stick around for it. We'll be right back after this quick message. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. They provide professional online therapy whenever you need it most. Everyone needs a little help from time to time, and BetterHelp counselors are always there to provide support and guidance no matter what you're going through. My experience with PTSD has taught me it's always better to seek assistance rather than to try to deal with it alone. And it's hard to feel alone, and it's also hard to ask for help. But BetterHelp makes it easy and convenient. You can message your counselor anytime from anywhere in the world. You get timely responses and you can schedule weekly meetings by phone or video. It's so convenient. It's affordable. It's more affordable than traditional counseling and financial aid is available too. And if you need to, you can change your counselors. It's easy and free. Visit BetterHelp's website and read some testimonials like this one by L.E. who says, I've participated in therapy before, but never have I had the success that I've had with Dr. Valentina Botaro. My mental health has improved immensely. And I've grown so much in just the last few months. I appreciate her so much and would highly recommend her. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. And today's show is also brought to you by Monk Pack. As we know, healthy snacks have a bad rep. They don't have a lot of street cred because let's be honest, most don't taste very good. They don't fill you up. They aren't satisfying. They don't give you that savory and, you know, sweet crunch that you love. But that is why this episode is sponsored by Monk Pack. They make snacks that taste like your favorite sugary treats, but with only one gram of sugar or less. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars and Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars. Now, the granola bars contain just one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs. They're only 140 calories each. These granola bars are gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, non-GMO, no soy, no trans fat, no sugar alcohols and no high-intensity sweeteners. They're amazing. They're awesome. And they're great for anyone trying to follow a keto lifestyle. Uh, you absolutely do not have to be keto to love these, though. They're just good, healthy snacks. They're a perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. I've been trying to eat better. Monk Pat Keto Granola Bars have helped. They're so filling and satisfying. Monk Pat Keto Granola Bars have soft, chewy textures, but they come in delicious flavors like coconut cocoa chip, which I love, peanut butter, and blueberry almond vanilla. My favorite is the peanut butter. It's incredible. It reminds me of granola bars from my childhood. They're perfect for a quick breakfast or a snack between Zoom calls or a guilt-free dessert. They taste incredible and you can't beat the low sugar nutrition they provide. And by shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store by getting Monk Pack delivered right to your door. All your snacks just delivered to your door. Try it for yourself and you'll see. We have a special deal for you. You get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com and entering code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, They'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So there's no risk here. So to get started, just go to MonkPack, M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Select any product, enter code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your purchase. MonkPack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. Everybody, welcome back. I am uh, happy for once to be joined today. <laughs> no, I'm always happy to be joined by you. But I am extremely happy today to welcome former acting director of the FBI, and author of The Threat, a book that you still must read if you have not. Please welcome Andrew McCabe. Hi, Andy. Hey, how are you? 
I am so good because we rarely talk under amazing circumstances, my friend. <laughs> no, I'm like the prince of bad news usually, but uh, yeah, we definitely, this is a good news day for us, certainly for us here in the McCabe house. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to get your top line thoughts and stuff because, you know, we've been following this for a very long time. Yes. And and your your lawsuit against your wrongful termination. And I take it that this settlement didn't really look at the merits of your arguments more along the lines of, you know, we just kind of have to go forward with this because discovery was about to happen. Otherwise, talk a little bit about, first of all, just how you're feeling and then what you're getting. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, I feel great about the result. I'm incredibly gratified. I think that the settlement itself, the terms of the settlement really speaks they speak loudly in a couple of different ways. And so we can get into that in a minute. It's a huge relief to finally have this done and um, to, to recover the benefits and things that, that have been, that were wrongfully taken from me. But I have to tell you too, it's, it's also a little bit sad. You know, I feel like, especially now that the settlement, I believe, says very clearly that this should never have happened. And to get that sort of a recognition, even if it's implicit rather than explicit, it just drives home the fact that like my family, my kids and my elderly parents and all my friends and supporters have been through such a terrible time over something that really should never have happened. And that's kind of sad. I mean, you can't ever roll back time uh, and we're going to stay positive and move forward. But uh, it is, it is, there's, it's a little bit bittersweet on that level. Yeah. Are you at all I know this is probably an odd question, but are you at all a little bit disappointed that we didn't get to go through discovery? We didn't get to decide whether or not you were kind of wrongfully terminated. We didn't get to <laughs> we didn't get to hear what anyone had to say about that. There's not really an apology here or an admission of wrongdoing, but they did kind of they did admit wrongdoing here. But what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I know a lot of people you're not on Twitter. <laughs> Still, the tweet that I put out when this news broke, I think, got up to thirty-five thousand likes. People are wow. very, very happy wow, about this. That's so great. The Beans Nation, MSW Nation, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But a lot of folks are like, I, you know, only after that judge said we couldn't, you know, uh, the judge said we would have to go to discovery, and people sort of wanted to see what came out of that. But if I were you, I'd be like, I don't even care. You know what? I mean, I'm an investigator, so I want to know. And I would love to have have finally gotten to the point where they had to show their cards. And so that's a little bit, uh, a little bit, I don't want to say disappointing is really nothing about it. It's disappointing, but it's, um, that would have been really interesting to see. And I don't think it's any, it's no coincidence that, you know, they lost their premature motion to dismiss and then they lost the motion to compel, you know, compliance with documentary discovery, which they basically gave us nothing. All the good documents that we have, and we have many, we got because of the crew lawsuits, the other, and the other FOIA lawsuits that generated a lot of material that was very valuable to us. I think that was just scratching the surface. I think there was probably much more there that they didn't want to get out. I would expect that they did not want to subject, you know, uh, Michael Horowitz and Christopher Ray and uh, Jeffrey Sessions and Rod Rosenstein and on and on and on to depositions under oath. So that'll never happen now. But you know, I mean, it, the had we gone through to through discovery and gone to trial, it's really unlikely we could have ever gotten any more than we got from the settlement itself. So it really made no sense to kind of continue fighting this war for another couple of years. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, they gave you everything you were asking for. Is that correct? Yeah. So like every form of relief we requested in or demanded in the complaint, we ended up getting. And, you know, I, and I've, I've tried to say this as often as I can. I did not file this lawsuit to get rich. I did not file a lawsuit to, you know, get some massive claim for damages and, you know, bring down the department of justice. My goal was to simply recover those things that were taken from me unfairly and inappropriately and illegally, I think. And to all enter, try to restore my reputation in the best way I can. So I feel like the settlement accomplished all that. And so it was really a no brainer to, to try to get it done. Yeah. I mean, you really just wanted to be made whole. That's right. And I think that that sort of gives more credibility to the entire exercise. I hope so. I hope so. That's the way I looked at it. So, yeah. So, and I, and you know, I mean, this is kind of a little bit inside baseball between the lawyers, but when you, when someone files a complaint and asks for X, Y, Z relief, and then that lawsuit is settled, granting that relief. I mean, that in and of itself is a pretty clear admission of, you know, who's right and who's wrong. Yeah. I feel like if there were any question, they would have offered you less than what you were asking for Mm -hmm. and made it sort of a true compromise or settlement in that, in that case. Right. And nobody settles a case to take, to, to make a public admission of liability, right? You settle cases to avoid doing that. And, and that's, of course, what we did here. But we did get them to include in that agreement. It's clear from the agreement that they, there's a reference there to the exact sort of political interference that, that we alleged in the complaint. And again, it's a glancing blow, right? I settled a lot of cases when I was deputy director, civil suits against the FBI for all kinds of different reasons. And I know from that experience, the FBI and the Department of Justice are not in the business of saying they're sorry or giving, you know, big uh, expository statements about all the wrong things that they did. So you really kind of have to look between the lines. And I think when you do that here, it's pretty clear what was going on. Yeah. And and when you were on the other side of that, settling those kinds of, of claims, you're pretty high up in the agency. And and that brings me to my next question. How high did, do you think this went? Do you know how high this went? I mean, I imagine it had to have been at least briefed to the attorney general. Yeah. So I don't know exactly who signed off on what. I have some reason to believe it went at least as far as the highest levels of the civil division of DOJ. It would be shocking to me if the attorney general wasn't at least briefed on it. It is, a, you know, it's obviously it was a media relevant decision and it was something that they knew that I would make very public when it was finished. And so I'm sure that he was aware of it and was, you know, expected it uh, when it when it was finalized last week. Whether or not he actually approved it or was involved in that, I, I couldn't say. Right. Yeah. You know, like he wouldn't want to be caught off off guard or uh, blindsided by any exactly. kind of settlement. And that's, I think, exactly. why, we, why we do that sort of briefing at those levels. All right. I have a couple more questions before I let you go about January 6th and the Department of Justice and the FBI. But go for I, it. I do have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? I will. Thanks, Andy. Hold on. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG for the Beans. My favorite thing is a shower and sleeping. You know, those are my two favorite things. And let's talk about the shower because recently I gutted my whole bathroom. I got rid of everything except one thing. One thing stayed. One thing made the cut. It is my Nebbia by Moen showerhead. It's the best shower I've ever had in my life. It was designed by former Tesla, NASA, and Apple engineers who spent years developing a superior shower experience. The Nebbia by Moen spa shower is Nebbia's most advanced shower yet. Twice the coverage, half the water usage. That's the whole deal, right? They were trying to see if they could cut down the water usage. And despite using 45% less water, it sprays 81% more effectively than the competition. Nebbia's atomized droplets rinse shampoo and conditioner out of the thickest, longest hair. Installation is as easy as changing a light bulb. I love my Nebbia by Moen shower. It's a personal spa. I absolutely love it. And the spa shower starts at just $199. 
But for Daily Beans listeners, we have a deal. The first 100 people to use code BEANS at Nebbia.com will get 10% off all Nebbia products. Nebbia does not ever, like, this is so rare for them to do deals like this. So this is a great deal to jump on. Go to Nebbia.com slash beans. That's Nebbia, N-E-B-I-A, N-E-B-I-A dot com slash beans to check out what they have to offer. First 100 people to use code beans when checking out. Use the word beans. When you check out, you'll save 10% on all their products, except for pre-order stuff, because Nebbia is currently offering free shipping on the U.S. for pre-order stuff. Again, Nebbia.com slash beans and use code beans to save 10%. Today's show is also brought to you by Everlane. You do not have to go on a trip to have an adventure. Some of my favorite everyday adventures are Netflix and chill. Watching the whole last two seasons of Ted Lasso now that, that we've, we're, in a, we're, we're on like a hiatus. And, and so it can be taking a walk in your neighborhood or getting lost in a book. And whether I'm exploring the pages of a cozy novel or walking the dog or going to see jazz at the Westgate, Everlane has the premium clothing essentials to outfit me in comfort. They have amazing versatility. Their pieces can be used to dress up or down. I have this great V-neck tank top in black. It's got V in the front and a V-neck in the back. And I can either wear it with yoga pants at home when I'm reading a book or watching the lasso, or I can dress it up with some skinny jeans and heels and go out. It's amazing. So lounging at home, hitting up your favorite late night spot. Everlane's breathable organic cotton track wear is also awesome. They give an elevated take on a tried and true basic. Looking for the perfect pants? Everlane's denim stays comfortable and versatile all year long. Skinny to relax, slim to athletic. You can find the perfect cut that fits your form just right. And choose your stretch level too, right? Vintage style rigid, original with just a hint of stretch, or my favorite, the body-hugging authentic stretch. All made from certified organic cotton at the world's cleanest denim factory. Zero landfill waste there. Everlane uses sustainable materials while partnering with the best and most ethical factories in the world for a fit to feel good about. I love it. Everlane accepts returns within 30 days of the ship date, and all uniform clothing comes with a 365-day guarantee. So go to everlane.com slash dailybeans, sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping. And get easy returns within 30 days of your ship date. That's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com slash dailybeans and sign up today. Everybody, welcome back. We are uh, talking with the former acting director of the FBI, Andy McCabe, who has uh, won his settlement or won a settlement in his lawsuit for being wrongfully terminated. Again, congratulations to you and Jill and your family. It's got to be just such a relief. I know I'm still going through my thing with the VA. And, and like you, most of my evidence has had to come through other people's FOIA requests. It's so frustrating. <laughs> Justice is slow, but it is worth fighting for. All right. Stay in the fight. It's worth it. It's worth it. Yes. And speaking of justice being slow and also worth fighting for, what are <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, Adam Schiff was on, I think it was on Joy Reid this weekend saying that he has not heard or is unaware of any investigation into the top level coup sort of Eastman, you know, Jeffrey Clark, Trump plot to overthrow the, the government, get the election and Pence and all that. He hasn't heard of any investigation. And, I, you know, I was kind of fine with it when I didn't know about it, because who right. am I? Right. But that he hasn't heard, given his credentials, his position and, and, you know, how close he is to this. I'm starting to get a little concerned about what's going on with that particular investigation or lack thereof. Do you have any comment on that? You know, I think it's it's certainly fair to be concerned about it. I don't know that that Schiff not being like fully briefed on that is necessarily dispositive one way or the other. I mean, it would be a criminal investigation and technically criminal investigations are not shared outside the agency. They're not typically briefed uh, on the Hill and things like that. Unless of course there's an ongoing national security threat, which wouldn't be the case here. But you know, that's a, that's a long way from saying I'm confident that it is being investigated. I think that it would be a bold and righteous move. I think it would, it's the sort of thing that should be under consideration in the highest levels of the Justice Department, 
whether or not they'll feel like there's enough to go forward with a fully predicated investigation and start really putting some investigative kind of, uh, you know, horsepower behind it. That has all sorts of political, you know, implications as well. I mean, this is not dissimilar from the situation I was in in 2017 and the decisions that we made in 20 end of 2016, beginning of 2017 about investigating the Trump campaign. So we all know how smoothly that went. <laughs> so there's a lot, there's a lot to consider. My personal approach is you do your job. And if you think there's information there that laws were broken, then you investigate. doesn't mean you're going to prosecute. doesn't mean anyone's going to jail, but you investigate to find out what happened. So I would, I would hope and expect that they'd take the same approach. Yeah. And the lessons that you taught all of us in the threat about criminal predication, it seems like that six part memo about throwing out electors from seven states combined with the letters from Jeffrey Clark to seven states trying to get the DOJ to sign off on that seems like enough to open an investigation. But also there, I guess there has to be other considerations with what's going on in Congress and, uh, you know, the inspector general is, is looking into it. And perhaps Garland is trying to insulate himself from looking political by waiting for criminal referrals from either of those two places. But also you, you are well aware of how a large complex investigation works. You start at the bottom, you work your way up. Could it simply be that they just haven't gotten to that part of the investigation yet. It is certainly possible. They've definitely taken that approach with the January 6th defendants, right? So everybody that was, you know, they could identify who was on the premises. You saw those roundups starting almost immediately. And it took a while before we got to the folks that are actually alleged to have participated in conspiracies. You know, if you read the reporting, the open source reporting, it seems like they are trying to go further up the kind of leadership chains in some of those extremist organizations. So that's exactly what you'd expect. So it's possible that's going on here. But there is one thing that I'd be remiss if I didn't point out. If you compare it to our decision to investigate the campaign for possibly colluding with Russia, that was really cut and dry. And it didn't involve what could be argued to be political speech. There is no argument that it is part of your First Amendment protected right to collude with Russia in a domestic campaign. That is absolutely forbidden by, by federal law. In this case, and I'm certainly not making this argument because I believe it. I'm just, you know, devil's advocate. There are more, there's more of a gray area. So if you look at someone like Eastman, you know, these people who are outsiders, but advising the White House on what they believe would be the way to address if they legitimately believe that the, that the election was stolen and that there's all sorts of corruption. I know there's no reason to believe any of that because we've never seen any evidence of it, but you could make the argument that they're just, you know, Eastman's memo describing what to do to prevent the election from being certified could be some sort of political act, political speech. And so because there's that bleed over into potentially First Amendment protected activity, making the decision to go forward and really open an investigation and go after that stuff is much more sensitive. Yeah, I, I was, I'm just thinking of the Mo Brooks decision when the Department of Justice said, you know, overthrowing the government, inciting a riot to overthrow the government is not part of your job as a federal employee. But they didn't go into 1A. Yeah. That was, a, I thought, a pretty loud shot across the bow because they said any federal employee. But yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, you know, if you're asking about my opinion, I mean, that's the direct, that's where I would come out on the issue. But I can understand why the AG and his staff would be careful to have all of their ducks in a row to be able to confront arguments about 
uh, First Amendment rights if indeed they decide to go forward. So it could take a while. Yeah. And as we know, Mueller was very uh, cautious, erring on the side of constitutional cautionality, I guess, if that's a phrase, yeah. when he came forth with his, his report. And, and one last question for you. Speaking speaking to Bob, Bobby Three Sticks, mm-hmm. the obstruction of justice charges laid out clearly in volume two, even though they didn't declare that he committed obstruction of justice. What would be a reason to not pick up that investigation and prosecute for obstruction of justice, or at least think about prosecuting for obstruction of justice. I mean, what other considerations could prosecutors be weighing here? Maybe, you know, well, we're working on this other case or, Mm -hmm. or it's actually part of the entire scheme or are we just not going to look at it? It just, because Mueller, very conservative Mueller, you know, a little C conservative Mueller was like, yeah, you can prosecute him when he leaves office. You can. And Absolutely. so I'm, I'm wondering yeah. why that hasn't been picked up, why that hasn't been addressed. What what are some of the reasons it might not? Because I think a lot of people are like, well, why don't just why not just do that? Right. So unlike in the FBI, where we we reach predication and then we feel an obligation to go forward with an investigation. When you're talking about DOJ, you have kind of entered into the morass of uh, prosecutorial discretion. Right. Prosecutorial discretion is a much more amorphous concept, and it is the power that we all recognize they have and all prosecutors have at whatever level they function to consider, of course, the facts and the law, but to also consider less kind of uh, hard and fast concerns like, you know, is this the right time to bring a case like this? Have we already taken a shot at this case and, could, and couldn't make it happen? So we're going to leave this person alone now. I'm not saying those things apply in, on these facts, but... Or the former attorney general saying we don't, you know, through the deliberative process, which that half of that memo hasn't been released. Right. Uh, we have determined that there is no obstruction of justice. You exactly. would have to be going back on a former attorney general. That's right. So you'd have to be prepared to explain why your judgment now is very different than his was then. And there's a lot of good reasons it might be different, but nevertheless, there's all kinds of less perfectly clear, kind of more gray areas here where prosecutors, in this case, ultimately AG, takes into consideration all kinds of things. If he thought simply that it would just be too divisive for the country during an already divisive time, he might decide it's not worth it. This ship has sailed. We spent enough time focusing on that. We are going to use our resources and really take our political hits over bigger, different, more more important, you know, battles. So it's a, it's much more than just a straight up. Do we have the evidence and is and could this potentially be viable? And I know that's unsatisfying to people, but it, it just it's just the reality of it. Well, yeah, I mean, it is because I think our concern is that you you know by not holding anyone accountable or. I mean, that that's would be a lack of deterrence for any future president who wanted to obstruct justice. I, they can yeah. just get away with it. Yeah, you got to figure. And I, look, I don't know this. Here's my totally raw speculation comment. But you have to figure that if DOJ goes after Trump in a really aggressive way, they run the risk of being painted as doing exactly the same sorts of things that people accuse Trump of doing, right, of going of punishing political enemies and that sort of stuff. Now, I know that the facts and the circumstances are very different and you could make solid arguments that you're simply like doing a job that should have been done a while ago. But nevertheless, it's those sorts of, I think, political and public, you know, appearances that that probably keep the AG up at night. Yeah. Well, I hope he stays up at night and decides to prosecute. (laughs) (laughs) I would just like to see some insurrection charges out of January 6th. Like, I feel like that's 
so easy. It's so called for like, please, what, what do we have that law for? If we're not going to use it in this circumstance, you can't tell me that not a single one of those 500 defendants, you couldn't do an insurrection charge against. And I, you know, so I don't know. I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope it hope it turns out. But I'm losing hope a little bit every day. Well, dying inside a little bit. You die inside. Yeah, samezies, my friend. And uh, I hope we talk soon about this, and, and we'll keep our eyes on it. We've got a lot of other things up in the air, so uh, we're. I just feel like we're in this, this holding pattern. Yeah, it's good. yeah. We tend to wear thin on people, and it does, especially people who are so I think invested and involved. But yeah, for sure, for sure. I appreciate your time today. Again, congratulations. Send my love to Jill and the family. And I'm I'm so, so happy that this, not to use the old cloud has been lifted thing. Because you know I mean? I mean, yeah. that seems to have Russian connotations these days. But I'm just, I'm so very happy. And I can't wait for you to send me a photo of your cufflinks because I think that's in the, in the settlement. It's coming. It's coming. It's some, it'll probably be a year before the FBI figures out like what my mailing address is or something. So who knows when I'll get them, but, but they got to be on their way someday. That doesn't instill a lot of faith, but I appreciate nope. no, it. Doesn't. <laughs> Thanks so much, Andy McCabe. I appreciate you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, it's AG for the beans. And this segment of the show is brought to you by my favorite underwear. It's called Tomboy X. I have searched high and low for cool new underwear that fits me and looks amazing. And just, you know, they understand. I want, I want them to understand my body. But the search is over. The search is over. It's Tomboy X. Tomboy X makes underwear that actually gets me, not just fits me. I got some new Halloween-style boy shorts. They're my favorite. They're spooky. The witch's brew print. It, it glows in the dark. It's boldly unapologetic. All-inclusive underwear since 2014. Tomboy X caters to clients of every body type, every shape, gender, size, all sizes. From boxer briefs to bikinis, boy shorts to bras. Every Tomboy X pair is made to fit you and how you see yourself. Besides underwear, they also have loungewear, swimwear, socks, tees, and other accessories. Quality fit and inclusivity are the hallmarks of every product. You wanted more inclusive clothing brands, and this is what Tomboy X has brought. Their attention to detail includes no back seams to ensure a comfortable fit, plus silky waistbands that don't roll down no matter what size or shape you are. Tomboy X has underwear that all bodies will love, and with their love at first wear guarantee, you can order risk-free while you find your perfect fit. Discover your inner Tomboy And let me get you started with my special discount. Go to TomboyX.com, enter code DAILYBEANS, all one word, to get an extra 20% off. That is 20% off when you enter DAILYBEANS at TomboyX.com. TomboyX.com. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Today's show is also brought to you by the responsible and ethically awesome Wealthfront. A lot of investment apps make it easy to start trading. But just because it's easy doesn't mean you know what you're doing or what you're getting. And that's what makes Wealthfront different. They make it easy to invest and they make it easy to get smart about it. Start with Wealthfront's classic portfolio or make your own with socially responsible funds, uh, crypto trusts, and hundreds of other investments. Either way, they'll set you up in minutes with a portfolio you can count for the long term. You can count on it. It's awesome. Wealthfront was designed by financial experts to help turn your good ideas into great investments without the hassle of doing everything yourself. You're protected from unnecessary risk because your portfolio is diversified, right, across asset classes. You don't want to spend hundreds of hours trying to lower your tax bill, right? They do that for you. Not sure how rebalance, how to rebalance your portfolio or what rebalancing is? They do it automatically. And Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. Get your first $5,000 managed for free at Wealthfront.com slash Daily Beans. It takes just minutes to start building your wealth. So visit Wealthfront.com slash Daily Beans. That's Wealthfront, F-R-O-N-T, dot com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we- 
Hey, Dana, it's good news time for Tuesday. Do, do, do. Love the good news. Love the stories. Love the pictures. All of it. Love it all. Whatever you want to send in to us, whatever game you want to play, photos, pod pet tax. Where's the cat? Find the, no, what the mutt? Where's, where's the, cat? the cat? Where's my animal? Have you seen my kid? <laughs> shit kids say, shit cats say and find the kid. There Those you are go. two new games that we're playing. You can send it all in to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. First up, submission from Rosie, pronouns she and her. AG, Dana, and Amy, I just wanted to thank you for this warm, loving, informative podcast. I always start my day with you. It feels like I'm having coffee with friends. Oh, thank you, Rosie. I too stopped watching or listening to mainstream media on January 21st, 2021, but especially since the Afghanistan hysteria, I'm happier and definitely healthier. During the big fat liar years, I gained 30 pounds. I became depressed. I became withdrawn. In May of this year, I felt off. So I had blood work done and found out I was pre-diabetic. I knew I needed to get myself together, so I cleaned up my diet and went back to the gym. So far, I've lost 20 pounds, and I feel so much better. Awesome. That's so great, Rosie. Nice work, Rosie. Absolutely. Now, I don't I know can't. about you, Dana, this picture. but I can't. I can't. Oh. Um, Rosie says, for my pet tax attached is my precious rescue baby, Cecilia, with a huge smile. I need to snuggle the crap out of Cecilia. I know. Oh, I know. Cecilia, you're breaking, you're breaking my heart. You're shaking, shaking my confidence daily. Oh, Cecilia, I'm down on my knees. I'm, I'm begging, begging you, please, to, to come home. home. Oh, you home. Look at this baby. I want to be smiling that big. Oh, my She's goodness. So cute. Thank you for that. And Rosie, keep it up. So proud of you. Just remember, it's how you feel inside and taking care of yourself. And I just, just keep going one step at a time. 100%. That's all all of us can do. All right. Allison, pronoun she and her. It must be engagement season in the beans world because I got engaged this weekend too. My fiance, my fiance, my fiance, <laughs> my fiance. And I have been unofficially <laughs> engaged since the end of 2019 with us speeding up the process to get civilly married by the end of this year to be able to fully care for each other in emergencies. And you know, just wanting to be married. (laughs) This past weekend, the aim was just to confirm my ring size and get my style ideas. However, when our jeweler brought this ring out, which she had been itching to show us as soon as we walked in the door, we just knew it was the one. And it's It's so very sweet. And what a beautiful, beautiful human. Yeah, I love Allie. I'm so happy. Congratulations to both of you. This is amazing. Ah, I I love that the jeweler was like, they're going to like this. I know, totally. (laughs) They're coming in. I got the ring. It's perfect. It's perfect. Next up from Melanie, pronouns she and her. Melanie from Minneapolis here. I've been pounding the pavement for, yes, for Minneapolis. We're in support of changing our city charter to replace the police department with the Department of Public Safety. Sweet. And I must admit, the last few weeks have been rough as we've been outspent by a very well-organized opposition. My good news this week is that I just got back from the best canvassing shift I've had ever. We were canvassing in the Longfellow neighborhood, which is adjacent to George Floyd Square, and almost every conversation I had was an enthusiastic yes. The doors that weren't sure were genuinely engaged, and they had incredibly thoughtful questions. After we were done canvassing, I found out that Yes4 Minneapolis has raised enough money so they can pay canvassers $22 an hour. Oh, that's amazing and awesome. Afterward, I went to my favorite watering hole and spread the word. The bartender took literature and said she was going to pass the info on to her 20-something friends who are always looking for cash. 
I really think we have a chance of winning, and I would like to thank everyone who contributed. I know we're all watching Virginia right now, but please, if you have extra resources, send them on to us. The world is watching Minneapolis, and if we can get this done, what a shot of enthusiasm. For my pod pet tax, I've included an adorable kitty who joined me on the stomp trail until she was distracted by a squirrel. <laughs> I'm calling her Yes for Kittyapolis. Oh my gosh, so sweet. <laughs> Look at that little butt. That's a lewd. She's showing her belly. So sweet. All right. I am really upset about this next submission, and you will understand why if you continue <laughs> to listen. And I really think Kanai, our producer, I would like to thank Kanai. I think he did this on this. purpose. I don't know what I did to you, sir. All I do is compliment you and tell you how much I love you and how wonderful you are. But now I'm questioning. So here we go. This is from Anonymous, pronouns he and him. Everyone, I'm so sorry. This is going to be very painful. Hello, ladies from Anonymous, he, him. I'm a longtime UK, Wales to be exact, listener. At first to hear about US politics under Trump, but then because I realized that the same tactics and even some of the same individuals were influencing the UK politics. Anyway, yes. by good news, my entry for how do you say that? I'm, sp- I'm spoiled for choice, as in the UK and Ireland, no one can say a place name to a local satisfaction if they live outside of a 10-mile radius. <laughs> Hear- shut up. Hearing your Irish and Scottish listeners giving examples, I thought I would try you with the ultimate. Some Welsh place names. Take my word, I've gone easy on you. The hell you have, Anonymous. The first is... Now, the pronounced, okay, I don't know if I should, I have the pronunciation, so I don't know if I should just read those because it's going to be embarrassing enough. The first word is Roshklaner Kriegog. It it, it looks like Roshklaner Trugog. Roshklaner Trugog. It looks like Roslaner Trugog. Right. And it's pronounced roughly Roshklaner Kriegog. Or Trigog. Yeah, Trigog could, yes, either one. Second, now listen, it is spelled Y-N-Y-S-Y-B-W-L. Y is a vowel in this case, but there seems to be no other. So I'm going to say Yidnsbul. It should be called, <laughs> it should be called Why No Syllable. <laughs> Why No Syllable is exactly what it, yeah. And it's pronounced Unisubul. 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 You have to remember we're speaking Welsh. There has to be some sort of a, okay. The (laughs) well-known, I know, none of this, everyone's like, what are they saying at this point? Okay, the well-known classic is, of course. People have sent this one in before. Okay, we've seen this I'm still mad about it. (laughs) The well-known classic is, of course, Lan Fairbull Gwingle Gogger Chewy Rindra Lanticilla Gaga Gok. I mean, come on, AG, that had to be close, right? <laughs> I find people are probably like, is Tina having a stroke? I'm okay, but I'm really trying hard. Okay. Which is a bit of a cheat as the name was changed from the much simpler Lawn Fair Epwigliguinagol <laughs> <laughs> to attract tourists when the railroad arrived <laughs> in the 19th century. Now, believe it or not, once you learn the rules, pronounce, pronouncing, pronouncing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say English words anymore. I know. Now it just looks like just black marks on a I know. screen. Okay, believe it and or mer- not. Mer- I have to take my glasses off. I'm crying. Believe it or not, once you learn the rules, pronouncing Welsh is easier than it looks. Is it anonymous? No. Not difficult, you might say. The Welsh language, Cymraegi, Cymraeg, Cymraeg, Cymraeg. 
Raiji? Kumragi? Kumrag. Kumrag. Kumrag is recovering from, I'm recovering right now, is recovering from concerted efforts to destroy Dana's reputation. That's not what it says. Look up the Welsh knot. And I'm very proud that my children are bilingual Welsh English. Then they probably sound much more educated than I do in the submission. It's disappointing, therefore, when English people move into a Welsh speaking area and then discard the Welsh name of a farm or a house, a name that might easily be hundreds of years old because they can't be bothered to learn anything about where they've chosen to live. To finish, and this is the real reason I sent this, I share with you the Welsh for jellyfish, which is Cantimor, Cantimar, pronounced. I like how you're rolling the R's. Well, because it's because <laughs> I want case. to. Yeah, just in case. Cantimar. I don't know. I, I'm suddenly Welsh and Italian. Pronounced cant, uh, cantamar. <laughs> Said with an Italian O, oh, cont. No, cont. Oh, and a rolled R. Look at you. Oh, see, I got one right when I was just trying to be funny. Cantamar. What is an open O in Italian? O, cont? O, cont? Contumar. Contumar. Mm. There we go. I got one word right. Jellyfish is contumar. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, Iamor. Amar. Amar means Mm -hmm. of the sea. Cont Mm -hmm. means (laughs) what you think it means. Uh, Jelly. Jelly. (laughs) Or. No, it must be. It must be the word that we're not. It can't be. Really? It's twat of the sea. Is that really true? Is this the twat of the sea? I mean, I guess it's it a jellyfish. Be. The, the little tw- stingers. I, well, little stingers. Think about it. Is it the stingers or the? Hmm. I am so sorry about the submission. People. I know. I tried so hard. I know what it is. It's because it glows in the dark. <laughs> That's, That's exactly what? mine. Does <laughs> mine actually does? Could be applied to some of your favorite Republicans, maybe. Yeah. Oh, nice. It must be cunt. <laughs> Cuntimar. <laughs> All right. It means what you Cantumar. think it is. Cuntimar. It's the. It's the. I don't even know if we could say that on the beans. We can, Cont, right? It's, it's the cont of the sea. Okay. Could be applied to some of your favorite Republicans, maybe. As pet tax, my daughter's dog doing a selfie in London. And listen, beans, and get, oh my God, this fucking picture. I know. <laughs> that is adorable. <sighs> I'm so sorry, all of the Welsh people out there. I've tr- I did try and I will try harder. I need one of those things where someone says the word and then I can learn it. Yeah, Wow. That's a lot. That was that was painful. I'm exhausted. Thank you and yeah. good night. Time for some wine, I think. Yeah. Whew. Last up, we've got Lady of the Farm. Shit kids say. My four-year-old. Oh, pronoun she and her. My four-year-old is trying to teach herself to curse. <laughs> I thought I should share some choice phrases. Yes. Quote, what is your sister doing? Um, M-O-G? What's M-O-G? Help me out. Uh, I don't know. What is sister doing? M-O-G, literally hecking. Okay, hecking. I get it. But I don't know what M-O-G is. Me neither. Huh. Here's another one. Quote, will you check my freaking butt? My freaking weird butt? What did you just call your butt? Well, I'm saying stuff. My butt is adorable. (laughs) (laughs) She likes to sing and make up songs, says Lady of the Farm. Typically, they retell the story of her day. Almost always list off how much she loves each member of the family, including the cats and often the farm animals, and often with a curse about a rooster as well. We call mom's boyfriend. He's an ass. (laughs) Recently, she had a whole choice verse on her attempts to curse that went something like this. And when I say freaking, I say it loud and heckin', especially fuck. Loud, loud, fuck. (laughs) Freaking heckin', because I gotta be literally loud. 
Heckin mumbles, loud fuck. Note held for several beats here. <laughs> she typically says the not quite curse words, but this day she was practicing her F sounds in general. So I think this tickled her. She then marched around the house chanting, fuck, fuck, fuck. I love you so much, mommy. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> Sometimes I would just want to have kids for another hour of material. Do you know that, A.G.? I know, I know it's not the right reasons, which is why I've never had children. I know, I know. So to continue here, she has been in Zoom speech therapy. It's been working well. She's so excited that she can say these words now. We're just laughing. Soon we'll explain the rule that you can curse all you want as long as it's used with the appropriate context. Now you'll have to excuse me. The four and six-year-olds found their sister's book on puberty and are trying to teach each other what the words mean. Oh, dear. <laughs> I know what a bra is. What is a woman? <laughs> Still asking myself that same question. And it's hilarious. Look at these three angels. Adorable. I love a submission. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I love you so much, mommy. Fuck, fuck, fuck. fuck. Do, do, do. That's pretty great. It is great. My goodness. Good news, a little hard for me to get through today, but that, tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow's another yeah. day, and hopefully Kanai is kinder to me. Just remember the order tomorrow. <laughs> and our apologies to the Welsh, oh, please. the entire Ter- nation seriously. of Wales. In fact, the whole island, uh, you know, we uh, deep, deep, heartfelt, sincere apologies uh, on behalf of the Daily Beast. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. That's our show. Uh, any Anything else you want to say except, you know, to connect? Oh, I don't think there's anything else I should say. <laughs> All right. I don't think there's anything else I can say, to be honest. Uh, it makes sense. But uh, I do want to give one last uh, shout out to Andy McCabe. Thank him for coming on the show today. He's still sure. not on Twitter. I've tried to get him. I've tried to cajole him into creating a Twitter account. He's just laughing at me. But I will probably be putting that video of the conversation up on our new YouTube channel, which you can check out. It's actually an old YouTube channel, but we're just starting to use it. Muller, she wrote in the Daily Beans pod. Check it out. And uh, that's where you can see like Fiona Hill's interview and my interview with Adam Klasfeld. Um, uh, anybody who agrees to basically appearing in a video with me is going to get up there. So <laughs> <laughs> so uh, look for that. I think that uh, some permissions have to be granted before I can post the Andy McCabe stuff, but we'll do it soon. And everybody until tomorrow. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.